If as people we choose to follow Jesus Christ, we become a different person. Our life changes. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembrick. I'm Janice. And welcome to Bible Discovery TV, the name of this program as we discover the Bible from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. It is very good. About four minutes, we're going to talk about Leviticus 18. Fascinating as we continue through God's wonderful word. Now, Corey is here. Corey? Well, I don't know if you noticed, but in our assigned reading today, there's lots of strange rules. So we're going to be talking about that today. Ryan? Fear. It's a word used in the Bible hundreds of times. And the question is why? Why is there so much fear in the Bible? Well, that's a really good question. They're coming up in about 20 minutes time. Janice? Today, we're going to talk about the Book of Truth. And that's coming up in about 25 minutes time. Right now, take your Bible guide, turn to today's passage. We'll tell you how to get one of these in a moment. And let's listen to what God is saying to us right now. Leviticus 18, verses 1 through 10. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, and say to them, I am the Lord your God. According to the doings of the land of Egypt where you dwelt, you shall not do. And according to the doings of the land of Canaan where I am bringing you, you shall not do. Nor shall you walk in their ordinances." You shall observe my judgments and keep my ordinances to walk in them. I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, which if a man does, he shall live by them. I am the Lord. None of you shall approach anyone who is near of kin to him to uncover his nakedness. I am the Lord. The nakedness of your father or the nakedness of your mother you shall not uncover. She is your mother. You shall not uncover her nakedness. The nakedness of your father's wife you shall not uncover. It is your father's nakedness. The nakedness of your sister, the daughter of your father or the daughter of your mother, whether born at home or elsewhere, their nakedness you shall not uncover. The nakedness of your son's daughter or your daughter's daughter, their nakedness you shall not uncover, for theirs is your own nakedness. Leviticus chapter 18, verses 1 through 10. Leviticus 18, Leviticus 19, and Leviticus 21. That's interesting, isn't it? 20 and 21. Fascinating stuff. Our greatest challenge is to learn how to live for God in the time we exist. We are far removed from the times, the places, and the cultures of the Bible. Our duty as Christians is to understand the meaning of scriptures and apply those meanings to our current culture today. Now, this flies very much in contrast to our age of doing what feels right to us, of individual truths, and of protesting anything that seems to want to impose any morality on us. You know, protesting itself seems to have become a kind of virtue. But let's remember that God's kingdom is not like us. It isn't like our earthly governments. And it isn't a democracy. 
our wills are voluntarily bowed to God's will because we recognize our short-sightedness and we recognize our sin and His excellence. He is God, and we will bow before Him in praise and honor because He is perfect and He is holy. God has given us His way to live. So the question then stands and should be pondered daily by us. How do we properly follow God in our current life, in our current circumstances? Now, I can tell you there's a lot of people got up this morning. They didn't ask that question. But as believers in Jesus Christ, we must ask that question every day. <laughs> not put ourselves first. What do I want to do today with my life? No, that's not it. What I do is I say, Lord, okay, I, I need to do what you want me to do. Help me to follow your path. That becomes very, very interesting. So take your Bible guide in February. Turn to today's passage. And if you, again, I'm going to say it. If you don't have one, write to us or call us. Or you can go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. And when you go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com, then what will happen is you click on the Bible guide. It'll take you to a page where you can make a donation. Let me say thank you very much for your donations. You keep us alive. So thank you. We can stay here and teach every day because you've decided the Lord has helped you and you've decided to keep us alive. So thank you very much. Anyway, as we focus on how to act, what do you think if people got up in the morning and immediately the first question was, how should I act today? Wouldn't that be an interesting idea for leaders? Wouldn't that be an interesting idea for people? Wouldn't that be an interesting idea for all of us? Instead of where's the coffee or where can I get this or where can I get that? How should I act today? Because others will see me. That becomes important. The Holy Spirit helps us. Father, I pray today as we look at Leviticus 18 that you would help us to see we're in the law of God. And that law reflects the intensity of sin and how it's affected us. But we live past the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ as Lord. And for those of us who have asked Jesus Christ to come into our hearts, Lord, we have to understand this in your wonderful name. For those who haven't, opened their hearts in Jesus' name. And we all said together, make it so. Amen. All right. Very interesting. The Lord spoke to Moses. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, I am the Lord, your God. According to the doings of the land of Egypt, where you dwelt, you shall not do. According to the doings of the land of Egypt, you shall not do. But the doings of the land of Cana, where I am bringing you, you shall not do. Nor shall you walk in their ordinances. Now, this is important, and we need to hear this. I read that slow for a reason. When we choose to follow God, the way we live will be different than the way we lived before. When we choose to follow God, the way we live will be different than the way we lived before. In fact, we become God's people. Absolutely true. When we come to know Christ... 
and we're Christian, we pray. That's, that's step one. God has done that step for us and given us the gift of the Holy Spirit and whole things there. But we need to begin to work and be, we need to begin to say, I need to change. I need to, to stay away from getting drunk. I need to stay away from drug overdoses. I need, and I don't have the power. So Lord, I need your Holy Spirit. We pray and we say, Lord, I need your Holy Spirit to take over my body and help me. And suddenly changes begin to take place. It's amazing. And those changes are key to understanding that we are following God. Beloved, that is so important. Keep that in mind. Also in 18 verses 4 and 5, here's what it says. You shall observe my judgments and keep my ordinances to walk in them. I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, which if man does, he shall live by them. I am the Lord. I need to tell you something. This is exactly what God says today. We must live according to what God has told us in his word. <laughs> okay, we need to read the Bible. When we look to the Lord, he will lead us and direct us how we are to live. There's a lot of people that say to me, well, I don't have time to read the Bible. What do you mean you don't have time to read the Bible? I mean, it only takes 15, 20 minutes a day. Can you spare 15 to 20 minutes a day? I think most people can if they make time for it. And beloved, I, I would encourage you. We go through the Bible every year and our Bible guide, our, you know, the, we're in February. We have the February Bible guide. We do 12 of them a year. And the idea is to discipline ourselves, to make ourselves attentive to the word of God. Now, this is on my iPad. So I, I, I read my Bible on my cell phone or my iPad or on the Bible. I love the original Bible. That's what I like. But the important part is that we make time for God. Beloved, we need to read the word of God. Oh, I love this point. I can't make it more <laughs> because we need to understand that. I hope that you're challenged with reading the Bible. All right. Well, let's go on to the next verse in 18, verse 6. None of you shall approach anyone who is near of kin to him. This is what God begins to say. This is how we think. This is how we live. To uncover his nakedness. Very important. Listen carefully. I am the Lord. God is the Lord. The nakedness of your father or the nakedness of your mother, you shall not uncover. She is your mother. You shall not uncover her nakedness. Gets better. The nakedness of your father's wife, you shall not uncover. It is your father's nakedness. The nakedness of your sister, the daughter of your father, or the daughter of your mother, whether born at home or elsewhere, their nakedness you shall not uncover. The nakedness of your son's daughter or your daughter or your daughter's daughter, the nakedness you shall not uncover, for theirs is your own nakedness. Now keep this in mind. Pleasure is created by God and we are to enjoy life, but pleasure has defined rules, beloved. Our sexuality is placed inside of marriage between one husband and one wife.
Welcome back to the program. Today, as I mentioned off the top of the program, I'm talking about fear. And let's be honest, the word fear shows up more than a few times throughout Scripture. And you know, this has caused a lot of its readers to wonder why there's so much fear in the Bible. I mean, isn't God's Word supposed to provide us comfort and hope rather than fill us with worry, dread, and fright? Well, as we study this topic, I want you to keep a key verse from 1 John chapter 4, verse 18 in mind. And it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Now, if this sounds contradictory with some of the other passages that you've read on fear, just wait. We need to delve in deeper. So let's do that. Fear. It is a word that appears in the English translations of the Bible some 450 times, with approximately 350 of those occurrences in the Old Testament alone. And several of these refer specifically to the fear of God or the fear of the Lord. This fact has caused a lot of readers, particularly non-Jewish readers, to ask why. Why is there so much fear in the Bible? Solving this mystery ultimately requires looking beyond the English and into the Hebrew language behind it. The Hebrew word is yirah and is much broader in meaning than our English word fear. Indeed, our English word fear narrowly focuses on being afraid. To us, fear is the opposite of trust and is synonymous with worry, dread, or fright. But yirah encompasses a much wider range of meanings, from the negative dread and terror to the positive worship and reverence, and from a mild respect to a strong awe. In fact, there are many instances in the Bible where yirah isn't about being afraid at all, but instead showing honor and respect. In Leviticus 19.3, for example, we're instructed to revere or yirah our mother and father. Similarly, in Leviticus 19.30, we're commanded to keep God's Sabbaths and to revere to Yirah, his sanctuary. Yirah is also used in a strong positive sense in Proverbs when it declares that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Even though this type of fear refers to a humble reverence and awe due to our narrow understanding of this word, a lot of Christians tend to see it as a negative thing, fearing the punishment that God could give us for our deeds. Of course, we will all stand before God's judgment seat one day, but those whose sins have been paid for by Jesus Christ shouldn't have this kind of fear anymore. Rather, our fear should be a shrinking back in recognition of the difference or holiness of God and the drawing close in awe and worship. To fear the Lord is not to experience a dread that paralyzes all action, but neither is it just a plight respect. It is an attitude of both reluctance and adoration that results in a willingness to do what God says. And according to the teachings of Proverbs, this proper attitude of the creature toward the Creator is the beginning of knowledge and wisdom. That is, true knowledge and wisdom flow from the fear or reverence of the Lord. Clearly, Yirah isn't exclusively negative. Like many other Hebrew words, it has a double-edgedness to it. It can be either positive or negative, depending on the context. God's enemies fear him, but his people show him reverent, worshipful awe. So, as you can see, the Hebrew word translated as fear is a lot broader in meaning than our English word. While it can be in the negative, dread and terror sense, it can also be in the positive worship, reverence and respect sense. And in order to know which meaning is meant in any given passage, you need to pay attention to the context. 
And understanding the meaning of this Hebrew word also helps resolve any apparent contradictions between these fear passages. Now, I'm out of time for now, but if you want to watch this video again or watch other videos that I've, that I've done, then you need to head on over to my YouTube channel, which is just my name, Ryan Hembry. And remember to subscribe and click the notification bell because I'm always uploading videos there. And often I'm able to go into more detail than I can here on the show. And I've seen the videos and I subscribe to your channel and they are absolutely great, Ryan. Really, really important. But you know, you said something that's that we need to again make this point and the point is simple when we read the scripture we need to read it in context absolutely because you can take the scripture out of context and make it say anything you want so you have to read it in context very 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 important, important. absolutely <laughs> all right very good Corey. well we are going to continue to take a look at context because as we continue to read through the books of the law we're going to continue to read things that strike us as extremely odd and that have traditionally been confusing to christians do we follow these laws how did Christ fulfill these laws? And overall, just why? Why were these laws for Israel in the first place? So for example, in our reading today, Leviticus 18 provides a list of sexual ethics that for the vast majority of them, we would today think were pretty obvious. Leviticus 19, though, covers a bunch of various laws that range from the seemingly reasonable, like do not deceive one another in verse 11, to the puzzling do not plant your field with two kinds of seed in verse 19, or do not cut your bodies for the dead or put tattoo marks on them, I am the Lord, of verse 28, and many, many others. To up the ante, Leviticus 20 talks about prescribed penalties for certain sins, which strike us today as extremely harsh. So what's going on? Now, luckily, thanks to context, we don't have to search very far. The scriptures themselves give us the justification for most of these laws. But unfortunately, the reasoning seems to go unnoticed by a lot of people. Several passages give reasons, like Leviticus 18 verses 24 to 28. It says, do not defile yourselves in any of these ways, because this is how the nations that I'm going to drive out before you became defiled. Even the land was defiled, so I punished it for its sin and the land vomited out its inhabitants. But you must keep my decrees and my laws. The native born and foreigners residing among you must not do any of these detestable things, for all these things were done by the people who lived in the land before you, and the land became defiled. And if you defile the land, it will vomit you out as it vomited out the nations that were before you. Or take Leviticus 20 verses 22 to 24. Keep all my decrees and laws and follow them so that the land where I am bringing you to live may not vomit you out. You must not live according to the customs of the nations I'm going to drive out before you. Because they did all these things, I abhorred them. But I said to you, you will possess their land. I will give it to you as an inheritance, a land flowing with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God, who has set you apart from these nations. So these laws of God were not thought of in a vacuum. God was not establishing Israel based off of an ideal society. Instead, he was creating rules for them based off of known practices of the cultures surrounding Israel. God did not want Israel to mimic the morality of other nations. He wanted Israel to be different. He routinely calls it being set apart and being holy because he is a holy God, altogether different from the other gods and people. So while a lot of these laws seem really odd to us, 
ancient Israel knew where they were coming from. And we can be sure that they made a lot of sense in that time and context. So no, Christians, these laws are not laws for us because we are not ancient Israel. We are not in that covenant relationship with God. We are in a different covenant relationship with God that's arbitrated by Christ Jesus. His righteousness is applied to us. Now that we are saved, we want to make ourselves more like Christ, following him instead of sinful humanity. This new nation of God that we're a part of, this kingdom, it's multicultural. One set of rules wouldn't work for Christians anyway. The record of the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15 recognized this as well. God had been saving Gentile people of different cultures and filling them with his spirit outside of Judaism. I think that's why the only constraints the church gave to the new Gentile converts seems to have been uh, quite general and against the pagan culture of that day. So not to engage in any way in idol worship, to honor God as the source of life, and to not engage in any sort of sexual immorality. Like Israel, Christians are called to be holy like God is holy. However, because of our diverse cultures, that may look a little different from culture to culture. So back to the law recorded in the Hebrew Bible. Many of these seem strange to us because they are from a very ancient time. Their purpose was to distinguish Israel from the other nations that existed at that time. And even though this law was absolutely a critical part of the covenant between God and Israel, I find it interesting that the Bible itself does not advocate for just following the law without heart, enthusiasm, or thought. Instead, we see Moses talking about how the law needs to have an inward expression in their lives rather than being outward action only. And in Psalm 1, we see a righteous man being described as someone who doesn't just follow the law, but who also meditates on it, drawing joy from contemplating it. Very interesting uh, to, again, keep the context of what you're reading. Yeah. And the context is right there. You can see it as you read the whole chapter. And that's exactly where my segment was going to go, Corey. I'm delighted. I've, I've just been sitting here taking it all in because most of what I was going to touch on you already have. Oh, wow. And that's, I love, <laughs> it worked out. It doesn't, I love how that happens. And, and it, you know, it's not planned. <laughs> um, it really is God's Holy Spirit that leads this program. And that's why it, it just fills my heart with such joy when that, when that, when it happens and we see it coming together because I called mine the book of truth because so many people, Corey, um, when they know that we go through the entire Bible, they struggle with the fact, um, that they have to read the Old Testament. Yeah. They, they really feel like it's, it's not necessary because we have the new covenant, but it's real. It's all in one. Mm -hmm. And when you read through these things, you don't want to stop reading because as you say, okay, we're in Levit Leviticus 18, but in 20, it gives different responses. It gives the, the answers and you have broken it down perfectly. And, and this in Acts as well, how in the New Testament times, they were dealing with the same type of things. Mm -hmm. And so where do we get this basis? You know, a, a lot of times, as I said before, people will tell me that they're uncomfortable with the Old Testament. And in this portion of scripture, this uh, um, Leviticus 18, I had somebody recently say to me, this makes me really uncomfortable. We read down to verse 10. Mm -hmm. there, this is really uncomfortable for me that God would even have to put this in here. Like, isn't this just common sense? Shouldn't this just be common sense? But you know, human nature is human nature. 
-hmm. And a lot of what we think is right or wrong based on our culture or based on how we've been raised, we don't have that moral guideline Mm -hmm. of what is truly righteous before God and not. Mm -hmm. And so this is why I called my segment The Book of Truth and why we have this one of the big reasons why we do this program. We want to discover from the Bible what God distinguishes between setting apart or that being holy. When we give our lives to follow Jesus Christ, it doesn't mean that we become perfect people overnight. We become a work in progress. We become people that have a construction sign and are available to God to be able to mold us and shape us into the people that he wants us to be. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the things that are very obvious to you and I in here are not to others and vice versa. And there are things within our own human natures that we have learned that we just say, hey, well, gotta love me, I'm the baby, or this is the way I am, or this is what I've learned from this person or that person. That doesn't give us license to stay there. But it's not on us. We don't have to be the one to do the changing. We have to be moldable. But when you invite Jesus Christ, to be the Lord of your life and you follow him, you commit to follow him, you need to be in his word, not just to have the head knowledge, but to get that into your heart so that your very responses become the righteousness of God. We allow his righteousness to become a part of us. We don't try to take his words and mold them into what we think they should be or to make us feel comfortable. And so that's just really what I wanted to touch on. So thank you very much for addressing that for us. And and Ryan, you as well, in keeping things in context, this is what we must do. We can't take our ideas and put them into the Bible and try to formulate them into what we think. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to help us that when we read his word, it can change us into the people he has designed us to be. I want to thank you for joining us in prayer today. Thank you for watching the program. Come to YouTube and look at Pastor Rod Hembry. Pastor Rod Hembry, because I got a brand new program called Beyond the Call. Testimonies about people. And we want to encourage you to watch the program and and be a part of that. That's on Pastor Rod Hembry on YouTube. It's also on our website. So make sure you ask that question. Where is Beyond the Call? In the meantime, let's pray. Lord, help me to run away from temptation today in Jesus' name. Amen.